Hello, church, at-home family. Man, I hope you're having a great Sunday. I hope it just got better because we get to have church together. I'm excited today to get, we're going to go right into the Word. We're going to do it a little bit differently, and then we're going to um, have a time of worship together at the end. So I hope you'll stay the whole time. Hey, I'm so honored to be your pastor. I'm so honored that you join us every Sunday here at the 10 a.m. hour to pray together and to get the Word together and to worship together. And I'm just really, really um, grateful for what God is doing in us and through us as a church. So, hey, I can't wait for a week from today, Father's Day. I'd love to invite you to our building. Um, if you're in driving distance, you feel comfortable being around crowds, man, we'd love to see your face in this place because it's going to be awesome, awesome, awesome. And of course, we'll have our online service as well at 10 a.m. I just really can't wait. Hey, I want to make an announcement to you um, that um, we are going through a little bit of a season of transition, which happens in the church world or any world, really. Uh, how many of you know your lives are full of transitions? Um, but Pastor Beth Carter, who has been so incredible the past over a year now, leading our church online along with Shane, um, man, she is, they are transitioning um, out of our church staff and um, out of our church. And, um, they're transitioning over the next few weeks, and we just kind of hold people with open palms. We just believe their greatest days of ministry are ahead of them. We, we, we can't wait to see what God uses them to do in the next season. Um, but it is, it is one of those bittersweet moments of seeing what God does in them and through them the next season, but also having to see them go from this season. They've been with us faithfully for a lot of years, and, and they've been incredible um, campus pastors to our online community. So the next few weeks, they are transitioning. And so I would just, man, would you do that right now? Would you just leave a comment in the comments, whether you're on our online platform or our Facebook platform? Just let them know how much you appreciate them and appreciate them um, being a, you know, providing this and helping provide this the past year and just how much you appreciate them as people. Um, let's just give them our thanks right now. Um, so, so grateful for them and the years of faithfulness to our generation's family. So I want to make that announcement to you. Um, they will still be on here the next few weeks. And so, uh, but I did want to let you know that was coming. And over the next few weeks, be sure to tell them you love them, you appreciate them. Well, we are in this series. We, we are in a year of promises to start off. And our promise the past few weeks have been that Jesus promised us that when he went away, he would send another, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And so we're in kind of a mini-series on the Holy Spirit. And I'm excited about today because maybe you've heard this talked about. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're new to your Christian faith. And, but we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. That, that, that could also be called the evidence of the Spirit, right? The fruit of the Spirit. Fruit is evidence of an inward work God is doing in our life. We, we, we have talked about the person of the Holy Spirit and the, and the power. We'll talk about that even more in the weeks to come of the Holy Spirit. But there is this natural byproduct or evidence, if you will, called fruit. And, and as you develop your relationship with Jesus through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, there is a change that happens inside of you. 
There should be a change in your thoughts. There should be change in your attitude. There should be a change towards everything, the way you live. And that's the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the Holy Spirit's power enabling us to not conform to the world, but be conformed to Christ's likeness, which is what we're called to do. So it's the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to tell you this, that, that this is a concept that as Christians we need to grab a hold of because fruit matters. Fruit, let me say that again, fruit matters. We're called to have the fruit of the Spirit coming out of us. Let me read you this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 25 today. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Everybody say love. Why don't you just repeat these after me as we go? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let's say that again. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And here's what it says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Against such things there is no law. Then we go to verse 24. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh when it's with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let me give you some context of this. You know, the book of Galatians is really a fascinating book, and it was authored by a man named the Apostle Paul. Interesting fact, if you didn't know this, the Apostle Paul used to be named Saul, and he was a a uh, persecutor, a killer of Christians that had a dramatic experience with King Jesus and his life changed forever. So the Apostle Paul had traveled through a, 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 the region um, of Galatia, which is actually present-day Turkey, if you ever look on a map. And he went on three missionary journeys. And one of those journeys uh, through the area, he established a church. He established a church. And, and many of the early church are like the converts, the people getting saved, the people getting brought into Christianity, into Galatia, were Jews. And, and they had experienced the freedom that comes through a relationship with Christ. Isn't it incredible freedom when you experience that? But their freedom was challenged by another group of people. I'm going to try not to confuse you, so stick with me. Their freedom was challenged by another group of people called the Judaizers. It's kind of a weird name. Say that at home, Judaizers, all right? And they were teaching before, they were teaching that before anyone could experience the full blessings of God, you had to become a Jew, including um, circumcision and, and first, and then you could become a Christian. So you had to become a Jew, then become a Christian. And, and the results of this teaching was actually like a horrible church split along Jewish and Gentile lines. What's that mean? Gentile is, is, a, is somebody that's not Jewish. We, we are Gentiles, or maybe you're Jewish and you're watching this. That's really cool. You're a, maybe you're a Jewish follower of Jesus, which would be a Messianic Jew, all right? So, so the church in Galatia, let me just explain this for a few more moments, build some foundation, had become what we would call ethnocentric, all right? That's focused on race and ethnicity. I always get that word messed up. And it was not Christ-centric, okay, hear me, centered upon Christ. It was ethnocentric, focused on race or ethnicity, but not Christ-centric, centered upon Christ. So Paul writes this letter to this divided church to remind them 
of the freedom they have in a relationship with Christ that only comes by grace and is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And, and Paul is like astonished by how quick they deserted the grace of Christ, right? Um, and we find that in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. And in the, pl- in, the, in the place of Christ, they had accepted a false gospel and, and confusion was just rampant everywhere. And he's so angry about what has happened that he writes these words. He says this in Galatians chapter 1, verse 9. If anybody, everybody say anybody. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Wow, those are strong words. Strong words. So all of this turmoil at this time was bringing this church into crisis, and Paul knew that the only answer was to return to the freedom of Christ's gospel. And Paul spends like two chapters talking about how the gospel is real and the gospel is authentic how it truly brings salvation and freedom from sin. And it's available to all who call on the name of the Lord, not just the Jew, but also the Gentile. And then he spends chapter 3 and 4 talking about the superiority of the gospel over the law. Freedom in Christ no longer requires the religious ritual and rules that binds and kills. And the last two chapters are spent talking about this simple thought. Are you ready? We are free to do what is right. Say that. Say we are free to do what is right. Our freedom in Christ, remember this, is not a license to sin, but a license to live right. Let me say that again. Our freedom in Christ is not a license to sin, but a license to live right. Over and over in this book, Paul talks about the work of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life. The Holy Spirit instructs. The Holy Spirit guides, leads, gives power. The Holy Spirit ends our bondage to evil desires. He creates in us love, joy, peace, and all these wonderful things. On the other side of the work of the Holy Spirit is the work of the flesh. So the work of the Spirit over here and obviously the work of the flesh on the other side. And in Galatia, fleshly works were disguised in religious clothes. Let me say that again. Freshly Works were disguised in religious clothes. Some were keeping score by checking off the boxes of rules. Others were using their freedom from rules to do anything they felt like doing. And the result, the result was if, if you were just obedient to the law or if you were just obedient to the flesh but forgot the freedom in Jesus, the result was actually the same. What happened? A spirit of criticism, a spirit of anger, a spirit of judgmentalism, competitiveness. All these things ran rampant. rampant. Why does this happen? Because they stopped being motivated by love, the love of Jesus. And this is where we are in Galatians chapter 5. Paul confronts those who have backslid into horrible sin because they have had forsook Christ and tried to save themselves either by the law or by fulfilling their own desires. So before, before Paul gets into the, this, this verse we read on the fruit of the Spirit, he spends time talking about the fruit of let's call the fruit of license, okay? The fruit of license. That's how this is known sometimes. Now I know the word license actually kind of creates a different picture 
in today's mind than in Paul's day. If you're like 15 and you're watching this, you hear that word and you think about the day you are going to be allowed to drive. If you're a parent of a 15-year-old, you hear that word and dread like fills your heart because the state will allow your child to drive. Come on, somebody. But in a very real sense of the meaning of this word in Paul's day, it's, it's the same today. Basically, having a license means to be permitted or allowed to do something. So Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, serve one another humbly in love. Let me read that again. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. See, we are, because the gospel of Jesus Christ, called to be free. We are permitted or allowed to live in freedom because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Isn't that, somebody say amen right there at home. Okay, but unfortunately, some people in this time, and, and even today, are using their freedom to commit sin. They, they have a distorted, distorted view of the grace of of grace in Christ. That's happening even in our current time period, even in our current culture. Others were using the observance of the law, the rules, the you know, regulations as markers of their holiness. They too had this distorted view of the grace of Christ. Let me say this again. The end result of either side was the same. Spiritual criticism, anger, judgmentalism, competitiveness, all these things. So Paul calls them out of out on their misuse of the license, if you will, of freedom. So Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But you, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Can I just say, we need to be a people led by the Spirit. Kind of that's what last week was about. We talked about reconciliation. We, I talked talk to you about the 30-day challenge. Like, man, watch what you're saying to people. You know, some of you are like, I already broke that this week. Man, turn it around. Turn it around right now. Start over. Do another 30 days. Watch how you talk to people in your work or your at home or in school or uh, watch how you talk to people on social media, right? Like be a reconciler. Let the, let the Spirit lead you. Be led by the Spirit. I don't want us to miss something this morning. The reason so many Galatians were attracted to going back to the law, the rules and regulations, is because they were struggling horribly. Let me say this again. They were struggling horribly to live above the desires of their sinful nature. So they thought by, the, by obedience to the law, they could bring the desires of their sinful nature under control. But here's the problem with their thinking. They were trying to answer a spiritual problem with unspiritual tools. Let me say that again. They were trying to answer a spiritual problem with unspiritual tools. And those unspiritual tools cut the power of the Holy Spirit out. We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit. There are so many religions 
on, on earth. Some of them you know, claim to even follow Jesus, but in, if they're contrary to the Holy Bible, the, 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 the Genesis to Revelation, nothing taken away, nothing added, they don't follow Jesus. But a lot of those religions are works-based, right? But they cut the power of the Holy Spirit out. The sinful nature, hear me this morning, the sinful nature can only be overcome as we live in obedience to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Otherwise, we're dismissing the only, the only source of power to live in freedom. That's why Paul says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, now notice in this moment, Paul uses this term walk. It, it's like this verb. It's active, right? It, it points to this ideal of movement, progress. But it also carries this meaning of how you go through life. Paul uses the phrase live in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. As believers who have freedom in Christ, we walk in the Spirit. We are being led by the Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who gives life. Paul told the, Paul told the Corinthian church that the letter kills. He was referring to the law, but the Spirit gives life. These are active terms. These are terms of progress, walking, being led, living by the Spirit. It requires time. It requires obedience. Come on, it it's a process. You know, in the life of every follower of Jesus, every believer, in all of our lives is this struggle to live according to the Spirit. But, but the old sinful nature tries to lead us another way. And it's a, it seems like a constant battle sometimes, a constant fight. But let me just tell you that. It's a battle that we can be victorious over by the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21, Paul says this, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, Quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Come on, did you read that? He's saying when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, this is the result. Notice it. the last sentence, has, it says, and other sins like these. This is like not an exhaustive list of sin. You, you cannot look at this and say, okay, I've committed sorcery, or I've been hostile, or I haven't committed sorcery, or I haven't been hostile, so I'm good to go. No worries. No, no, no. Paul is showing us some of the evil things that rise out of our heart when, we're being led, when we are not being led or not living by the Spirit. And Paul tells us the end result of walking or being led or living in the flesh is this. Let me tell, he said, let me tell you this again. As I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom. Wow. Come on, th these are the things, right? These are the things we, we, have a, we have to fight against because our sinful nature. We have to put these things to death in our life, not ignore them, kill them, right? Here's the good news. We've been given the Holy Spirit, and He will empower us. Let me say that again. We've been given the Holy Spirit, 
and he will empower us. He will guide us. He will lead us. He will instruct us in how to live a life that is pleasing to God. The Holy Spirit will supernaturally and actively help us. Through his work in our lives, we will produce what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the, not the fruit of the license or liberty to sin. The fruit of the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. What do we say? Love and joy and, and, and peace. Come on, isn't this amazing? Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now, there's like this temptation, right? To say, okay, I have been gentle, I have been faithful, therefore I must be saved. Come on, we're all thankful that, that if you're saying that, that you're doing good. And we're, we're thankful that you're a kind and, and gentle person. I'm thankful that I consider myself a kind person. But these traits are actually not mark of your salvation. People, through their own effort and discipline, can often develop some of these traits over time. I don't want you to miss this. The difference between the well-disciplined person and the production of the fruit of the Spirit is someone's faith in Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is produced by the Spirit that resides in us because of our faith and accepting of Jesus, not by human effort. That, that does not mean we are like passive in the process, that we have nothing to do with it. We do. But ultimately, it is the Holy Spirit who produces fruit. It's the Holy Spirit who produces fruit. I like how Charles Stanley it explains this. He says, The fruit of the Spirit does not pop out of believers through effort. Christians bear fruit through surrender. Let me say that again. The fruit of the Spirit does not pop out of believers through effort. Christians bear fruit through surrender. We take root in the Lord by meditating on His Word, praying, and serving. We reserve nothing for ourselves to control, but fully rely upon Him. That's not passive living, it's abiding living. That's not passive living, that's abiding living. Isn't that amazing? Listen, if, if, if all we do is some sort of self-help humanistic exercise to demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit, we will eventually become slaves to our own effort. The fruit of the Spirit will become for us a law of sorts. And that will be what we judge and criticize and compete or, became, or become angry at others over. But the difference of the work of the Holy Spirit who is producing in us the life of Christ, that's the difference. That's the difference. We can go after these, these, these traits all we want, but the difference in just developing good traits and developing the real authentic fruit of the Spirit is the work of the Holy Spirit who is the producer, is the producer in us because of our life of Christ. Don't let that slip by you. The Holy Spirit is producing in you the life of Christ. He is making you more like Christ. And because you are free in Christ, you can become like Christ. Isn't that amazing? Thank you, Jesus, for the fruit of the Spirit. Thank you for not leaving us as orphans, as your word says, but sending another, the Comforter, the Paracletos, the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit takes harvesting. It takes watering. It's, it's, it's produced by the Holy Spirit. But how do we... What's our part in that? Our part is worship. Our part is Bible reading. Our part is being together with other believers and iron sharpens iron. The fruit is a process. It doesn't all happen at once. 
but it does happen. I would just say make sure you're fully surrendered to Jesus today. Make sure you, 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 you fully surrender your life. And it's, you're not going to be perfect. But as you go through time reading and worshiping and praying and surrendered, the fruit is going to begin to develop in you. hope you got something from this message today. The one thing I hope you got is if you're not a follower of Jesus, all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. All you have to do, call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you will be saved. Just pray that right now. Be the Lord of my life. Be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I turn the other direction. Guide me and direct me the rest of my life, Jesus. I accept your free gift of salvation that I would spend eternity with you. That's it. Do that. But that's the beginning, not the end. Start reading your word. Download the Bible app. Worship. Pray. Just whatever. We have so many access as humans in America to the word. It is just crazy. Get the word inside you. Let the fruit start producing. Hey, I hope you got something today. I want you to know I'm so honored to be your pastor. I love you. I'm praying for you.